1: Tatiana Bolton is Security Policy Manager at Google and a Senior Advisor on the U.S. Cyberspace Solarium Commission. Our own N2K President Simone Petrella spoke with Tatiana Bolton about the challenges of bridging the cyber talent gap.
2: I am thrilled to be joined today by Tatiana Bolton, Security Policy Manager at Google and Senior Advisor to the U.S. Cyberspace Solarium Commission. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. Um, So I want to start with some things that you're doing in your role at Google. I know that Google has been busy since earlier in the summer, rolling out a number of initiatives geared toward increasing talent in cybersecurity. I've seen um, things including a specialized Google certificate in cybersecurity, preparing people for entry-level jobs, a new research program with universities in New York, and committing more than $20 million to help students get hands-on experience through a series of cybersecurity clinics. I know it's still early for some of those, but can you tell us a little bit more about the ones you're most excited about and how they're going so far?
0: Yeah, so these are some of my most sort of passion projects, if you will. I love working on this, on this issue because I think it's so critical to cybersecurity on the whole. I think a lot of people focus on any number of issues, including vulnerability disclosure, cloud security, uh, et cetera, and I think all of those have a workforce element to them, which is why I think uh, addressing this issue and and talking about it is so important. Well, the work that you mentioned, uh, all of it, I'm very excited about. I think it is a it's an effort to have a comprehensive approach to cybersecurity workforce issues. Because no one program or project can ever really fix this program or fix this issue in its entirety. Uh, I think if anybody tells you that, they're just, you know, they're lying. It's such a stubborn problem. It's been around uh, for a while. We have 650,000 openings in cyber jobs. That number has continued to to grow. And so we're trying to address it from a number of different ways, right? Building more pathways into cybersecurity, increasing the education, the training, for cyber professionals, and then also just the broader public. And then also helping with curriculum uh, curriculum and resources for learners. As you mentioned, we're doing, we just in May released the cyber, uh, cyber certificates, which uh, we're very excited about. Those are available right now online, and they are helping students get access to education uh, on cybersecurity from Google experts who have been doing this for a really long time? We have a great lineup of people in that uh, in that certificate that train the train the students on cybersecurity. I'm also extremely excited about the work that's happening in uh, in New York, where we have committed over 12 million dollars to research work on curriculum on cybersecurity. There are a lot of issues there that need to be addressed, including, for example, how cybersecurity is not yet a requirement in all computer science curricula across the country or the world. So we're trying to help that by developing more research, uh, getting organizations and, and universities working together to try and figure out what a curriculum uh, should look like in cyber or, you know, it's expanding on the existing work uh, that a lot of uh, great organizations have already done. And then lastly, the Cyber Clinics Program, which I've worked on or or have been tangentially uh, connected with for for the last five years or so. And that's from the Cyberspace Solarium Commission work all the way to Google. The clinics are a really fantastic model to try and get hands-on learning to students. Because right now what we have is this sort of pipeline that trains some group of people in cyber, right? People who think people who are going to like a computer science program, uh, at a university, but there's also a lot of people who aren't going to universities, and then we've got you know offices, the companies that need cybersecurity expertise and the jobs. But there's a squishy middle between the the learning that's happening either through certs or universities and the actual job. And what the real need here is the this hands-on learning piece, the piece that actually connects students and their uh, and their classroom learning to actual positions where you need experience and hands-on experience to actually get that position. And so clinics are are a fantastic way to do that. Based out of universities, with the support of a faculty member, students uh, work with community organizations in their city or their state, and they help them develop things like a cyber risk assessment or a strategy or any number of cyber policies that an organization might need. And the, or, so it's a win-win. The organization gets cyber support that they wouldn't otherwise get because they are under-resourced, uh, you know, uh, as a general whole, small businesses, state and local uh, organizations are really under-resourced for cyber. And so they get help. And then the on the other side, the students get get hands-on training. And so it helps both sides. And that's why I'm such a fan of that, that program. But, you know, at Google, we're doing a number of these programs because not one alone will fix the issue.
2: Yeah, I think that, Kind of brings up a good point and a question I have around, you know, Google has the ability and is really leading the charge on a lot of these initiatives by focusing on that pipeline and how we can take a dent in that large gap that continues to grow in cybersecurity positions. But beyond it being certainly not a one-size-fits-all, what are some of the other challenges that you see from a policy perspective to try and scale some of these great initiatives to make a little bit more substantive progress, because that number seems to be increasing at a pace faster than we're able to even come up with some of these solutions.
0: Totally, totally right. And I will say at a higher level, Google believes in sort of a comprehensive approach to security through open and secure frameworks that foster collaboration, innovation, sharing solutions freely to resolve vulnerabilities, and then creating secure by default products services that embed the protections making everything secure by default. So that is the basis if you will for the way we think about workforce uh, in cyber as well. There's issues in the very early learning space, right K to 12 not having enough focus, not having enough resources. There's the issue of that squishy middle I mentioned between the classroom learning or the cert learning and actual jobs, right? So getting people in the door, I think that's a huge problem. That's why we've actually focused, why we've chosen to focus on that particular area, uh, because in the, in all of that, and then including the issues with retention, that piece about, Getting people in the door with sufficient training and experience, I think that's the that's the big issue. But I, longer term, I also will add, the K to twelve piece is really is really critical because if you are if you don't have enough of a population that's even knowledgeable about the basics from an early age, then they're not sort of inspired to go into cybersecurity and fix these problems, right? No, if you're not you're not even seeing cybersecurity professionals until you're older, you're not really thinking about that as a career path. And that so that needs to change. By the way, I see that in my own personal
2: experience. I have a five-year-old in kindergarten and security is absolutely not in that curriculum. And to be perfectly honest, I don't think that the school is equipped to implement it, even if one were just handed to them on a silver platter.
0: Exactly. Like we wanna do this, but like. Still, people are not out there. They're not really the cy- like. There's not enough cyber experts to go into every school in America and say, "Hey, I do cybersecurity for a living. What does that look like?" Oh, well, I'm a you know security researcher, or oh, I do policy in cyber, or I'm a comms person in cybersecurity. And what do those jobs look like? And what does that you know what does that even mean? Most people are like, "You do what again?" Right? <laughs> which is you know uh, which is which is great in 2023. But uh, but also it's like but there's also the problem of like not enough teachers too right so the teachers also you know you can't put it on them they're like massively overwhelmed as it is they they do such great work with our kids I have four so you know I'm well I'm acquainted with the with the with teachers and how hard they work and. Putting that on them is also very difficult. So, like, you know, just getting them trained in this and showing, like, how how to add case studies into an elementary school program and curricula, right, that's just a whole other issue. Uh, They don't even have enough teachers or professors at the college level, right, let alone K to 12. And so we've just—I think, you know, part of this is a—you know, I don't want to be too negative about it. I think part of it is a—just growing pains of a profession that's really only been around for, you know, at most 50 years— you know, we've only had the internet for, for what, how long, right when DARPA created it. So it's it's not surprising, I think, that we're here, but I think it is really important that we focus on it and invest resources to try and address the issue, uh, that we raise awareness that policymakers are prioritizing real changes. Because I think for me, it's it's, you know, the best thing is not just having panels and Podcasts, which are amazing to drive awareness, but also getting policymakers to pick tangible, outcome-driven proposals that can work and include those into, you know, we've seen this in the National Cyber Strategy, the the ONCD, the Office of the National Cyber Director, very much focusing on cyber workforce, getting people skilled in cyber. The recent launch event uh, and the White House uh, fact sheet about it had a lot of different actual, like, tactical programs and support for particular people within the pipeline, uh, including like educators, universities, professionals, et cetera. So you're seeing some of it happen. And I think, you know, with the creation of the National Cyber Director's Office, you're, you know, you're getting a focus, like a, like a U.S.-based focus on this, or I'm sorry, a whole of U.S. uh, focus on this, but uh, more, just more needs to be done.
2: Do you see anything coming out beyond the National Cybersecurity Workforce Strategy? I know that's under ONCD at the executive branch level, but given the situation in the legislative branch, I mean, are we at a point that this will translate into anything we can take a whole-of-government approach and see some...
0: I've seen bills from lawmakers on cyber workforce, either to invest in cybersecurity training, which is great, or I've, I've seen a bill on clinics to try and I- increase the amount of clinics uh, across the country. NSA has also just recently funded four additional clinics. There's also the philanthropy community that I think should absolutely step up here and like help to establish some of this infrastructure that that's needed um, for, for training, for uh, connecting students with, uh, or connecting uh, graduates with jobs Building out this sort of infrastructure of internships, apprenticeships, uh, fellowships, uh, clinics that can get students actual the actual experience they need to get into the field at the beginning or also transition. Uh, Google.org gave a donation to a number of veterans groups. To, to do cybersecurity training and help them transition into cybersecurity because that's another great area, right? Like just look outside of what we currently have and look at people who are trained, but just in other professions and see how we can get them in. And so I think the philanthropy community can play a role there. I think companies obviously have a responsibility and you know, we're obviously, uh, we are eager to help and partner with governments to do more work here. The implementation plan from ONCD and the work that CISA has been doing, getting out there, talking about cyber workforce. Jenny Sterley, of course, has gone out and uh, is a big presence in the ecosystem, encouraging and inspiring women and girls to go into cybersecurity, which I think is fantastic. Just trying to elevate the profession of cybersecurity and make it hip and cool um, because we are, you know, hip and cool people. Absolutely. Yes. obviously. <laughs> I mean, of course.
2: <laughs> um, but it's, you know, it's it's so interesting because when you talk about all these amazing initiatives that are happening across the industry, including what Google's doing to increase the pipeline and, the, you know, not only the pipeline of cyber talent, but even more diverse cyber talent, it always strikes me that it's it's not possible to think about that pipeline unless you create room within organizations to allow for those new candidates to actually come into entry-level positions and kind of upskill or give a path for those who are, there, who, are, who are there in the companies already. And I'm curious if there's anything, even just anecdotally, you can share about how Google thinks about talent in a retention sense. Because if you don't have a way to retain and pathway people, it's hard to, to kind of create a world where we can take that entry-level talent and actually grow them into the roles.
0: Yeah, well, so Google does a lot like it helps us significantly with growing our expertise. We've got, you know, great support to get training and uh and upskill try new positions at Google. So those are all I think best practices that Google, you know, currently uses, but I think just generally we need to make sure that we are thinking about like you're talking about the issue of people coming in the door and like the some of the requirements. I think There's a number of things we could do there, right? We've got bachelor's degree requirements, CISSP requirements, five years of experience for entry-level positions. That's just silly. And I think we've been talking about this for a long time, but it is inherent on uh, the people who are doing the hiring to take that in and really do strategic assessments of their hiring documents and the position descriptions to determine whether and a CISSP is actually needed for an entry level position, or if you could actually do better for your organization as a whole by bringing in more entry level talent, helping them, mentoring them. Obviously, that's a really critical component. You can't like bring on entry level talent, and not help them along, not do the training, because that you know presents a number of issues. But if you if you're committed to the mentorship and the training piece, if you bring in the entry level talent, you can get you can really help a person grow their career, and it bring, and it allows them to grow develop as a uh, as a professional with room for you know with room for growth right so you don't always i think in dc you see this a lot in the federal government everybody's like a 13 14 they're senior level policy people right they're senior level technical people there's very there's almost very little room at the at the beginning i think we need to address the structural underlying issues uh, such as those position descriptions the fact that managers are are eager to get Eager to get experienced talent. So, we need to address those types of things to make sure that it's easy or easier for organizations to hire that entry level person, professional, right? And make sure the requirements are reasonable. And then, to your point on retention, yeah, absolutely. Like, it's, I think culture plays a big role in this too. Pretend like you've got to have a good culture in order to retain your talent. You need to give people room for growth, you have to allow them training. That helps not only the person, it help, the professional also helps your organization. Uh, and so I think there's, you know, with some of those things built in, you can do a lot of work. Obviously, CISA has focused on the pay piece, which is great. I think it's addressed some of those problems by putting in cyber pay at CISA, uh, making it uh, more enticing to work there. Obviously, they're competing against uh, large name brands and uh, like, organizations. Oh, like Google. <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing to work here, so you know, uh, what can I say? But uh, you know NSA also has uh, a great recruitment and retention program, right? NSA has almost a best in class it, within the federal government they, you know, they allow rotations. They encourage training, trying new things. They hire at the entry level. They grow their talent. So th- it is possible, right? And so, and I think like there's there's pockets of this excellence across the across the world. And I think we should take some of those uh, best practices and put them into work across the ecosystem because you you know, Siza has cyber pay, but have they really implemented the rotational part of what makes NSA? hiring so great and retention so great? No. And so I think we need to, we still have work, we, we still have work to do and, and room to grow that, uh, but nothing, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. I just hate myself for having said that cliche out loud. <laughs> I'll put it on my bingo card. Yeah, um, we'll see. But, I was, you know, I I said I was cool, right? So obviously I had to We had to so take it down a, a notch, false. right. <laughs> that is. Um,
2: but it's, you know, your point on job descriptions is is so salient because, You know, not to sound overly crass, but the amount of times I've worked with organizations on their job descriptions, and frankly, they suck. And it's because people are busy, hiring managers busy, we take one off the shelf and we kind of repurpose it. And at the end of the day, even though it might take extra effort to get them right, what I hear you saying and what I kind of see myself is you have to know where you want to go with those roles before you can create a path or an opening for someone to get into them.
0: Right. I think this speaks to the need to develop a workforce strategy within your organization. If you're an organization that's struggling to get cyber talent, which many of them are, you need to think about it strategically. You need to sit down and and it should be an executive level exercise. This is, I think, one of the areas where it goes wrong. There's not executive level review and investment into the cyber workforce. And that is the level at which this needs to be done. With that, you can do an assessment. Are these the right people? Where are we going in five years? Where do we want to be in 10 years? And what does that workforce look like that gets us there? Because it's not necessarily the workforce you have today. And, you know, obviously technology changes. The, you know, the times change. A pandemic happens. Who predicted that one? so it, like you you obviously and it's it's a hard it's a hard task for companies i'm not going to lie it's not you know you have to almost look into a crystal ball and like but do some you know do some data analysis cyberseek.org plug for them amazing work they have great uh data points broken out by sector broken out by levels of hiring so uh definitely a place to look as a resource as you're trying to do some of this review and analysis for your organizations also, one point, because I mentioned emerging technologies, AI, I think, also is definitely a place that will have an impact on a cyber workforce, as it will, I think, on on most of the workforce. At Google, obviously, we've uh, been working on and developing AI technologies for more than a decade already. But I think now, you know there's a really big focus on it. And we are you know moving ahead boldly but responsibly. You know, but we see opportunities in the, in the workforce space, right? For example, how AI can be used in a safe manner. We actually just put out the um, AI safe principles, SAIF. So you can take a look at those, but the, they, they think they talk about how you can actually use the AI to secure your networks and how it can help the defender, right? What defender doesn't have issues identifying, prioritizing and addressing the insane number of vulnerabilities that exist and applying patches in a prioritized manner, right? What if we could figure out a way how AI can help that, right? So there's this, some of this toil that a lot of people experience and leads to burnout in the industry that we can also think creatively about how we can apply AI to help that. So, you know, I think it's, um, there's a lot of opportunity and, um, I think we, we were already looking at, wh- looking at how to apply these things. So, uh, we are, uh, so there's stuff out there at DEF CON, for example, we just did an AI red team, right? And so we're trying, we're looking at like not just talking about, uh, the, you know, the defense of the past, but what, what it looks like in the future, training those professionals to think about AI. Making sure they're engaged, making sure they're aware of the technology, how how to work with it, how to address, and then utilize the technology uh, to best effect. And you know, obviously, from my perspective, to defend our networks and systems. I think um, one
2: of the things that you know I'm taking away just getting this conversation is it's really a multifaceted solution, and it's part of a broader security strategy. So. We have this talent or skills gap. It's not just about finding more people to solve it. Can we use creative technologies? Can we think about the processes and controls that we put in place as we implement frameworks like Zero Trust? It's kind of this whole of strategy that we have to think about as opposed to to just one. So a really, really great point overall. Tatiana, thank you so much for joining me today. And I appreciate all of your insights and
0: I'm sure the audience will too. Well, I appreciate you having me on. It was a pleasure.
1: That's Tatiana Bolton, Security Policy Manager at Google, speaking with N2K President Simone Petrella.